Good morning again, church. We thank you all for meeting again with us here online this morning. We pray that uh, everyone is doing well and healthy, and we look forward to being together again uh, very soon. We ask that you would continue to just remember in prayer uh, government leaders and everyone who's making decisions about how to handle things, and uh, everyone that uh, is uh, a healthcare worker who is uh, kind of on the front lines dealing with great pressure uh, on a daily basis. We know now that they're uh, struggling to keep up with things all over the country, so we uh, continue to lift them up in prayer. Also, just continue to remember in prayer our uh, church leaders as we continue to make decisions and try to understand God's direction in uh, everything that's going on. And uh, we're just going to begin this morning uh, in prayer, just inviting God among us this morning, uh, again remembering that God's church is united all across the world uh, in every moment as long as we are fixing our eyes on Him. It doesn't matter if we're in the same room or or if we are on uh, even the other side of the world. We're all united in Christ. And we're going to pray again this morning, just inviting God into our presence. And God, we thank you again this morning for the opportunity for us to look into your word, your living word, and we pray that your spirit would open our hearts to what you would have for us this morning, that we would uh, separate ourselves from any distractions this morning, that we would fix our eyes on you, that we would come before you with anticipation and expectation that you would do something among us, not with expectations of exactly what that would be, but we would lay ourselves before you and allow you to have your way with us. Father, we thank you today for what you're going to do. It is your name we pray. Amen. So you can turn in your Bibles this morning to Jeremiah chapter 15, and uh, we're going to start in verse 15. Uh, so what's going on here is uh, we see kind of a conversation back and forth between Jeremiah and God. And uh, in this moment, God is uh, about to uh, pour out judgment on uh, Judah because of their rebellion and uh, their just refusal to repent uh, and continuously uh, choosing sinful things uh, over God, continually choosing to worship idols and uh, just a general rebellion against God. In this moment, we see a conversation between Jeremiah and God, and Jeremiah uh, pleading on behalf of uh, the people of Judah and uh, even for himself in this moment. Uh, so it's interesting as we see Jeremiah, uh, I think particularly the way he's talking about himself and his relationship with God, and uh kind of we get from him a picture of his life and what it uh, has been like, the difficulties he has faced as he has um, kind of been God's messenger, uh, God's prophet among the Israelites uh, over the years. And we see throughout this passage, we see him talking about uh, his life dealing with strife and contention and distress and loneliness and all of those kind of things. But then we see, and uh, we'll get to verse 16, where we see uh, what uh, has allowed Jeremiah to have his strength uh, through all of the strife and contention, distress and loneliness that he has felt. So we're going to start reading in verse 15, Jeremiah chapter 15, starting in verse 15. It says, Lord, you understand. Remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. 
Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. I never sat in the company of revelers. I never made merry with them. I sat alone because of your hand uh, on me, and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this, be, let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and rescue, uh, to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. So again, we see in this moment, uh, if you read through this whole passage and even the the preceding couple chapters, we see uh, Jeremiah talking to God and all that uh, he had struggled with uh, through his life uh, in in being the messenger to these people, uh, that, that the people would come up against him in strife and contention, and then Jeremiah would experience distress and loneliness because people wanted nothing to do with the message that he was proclaiming to them. Uh, but we see again in verse 16, where the source of strength, where Jeremiah found his strength uh, to continue on, to find joy in the midst of people who uh, were rising against him and constantly against him. Uh, so in verse 16, again, it says, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy in the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So the first thing that we understand from this passage is uh, the greatest endeavor of man is to find the truth and live in it. There is nothing that is greater. Uh, you know, we live in a day where uh, so many believe that truth is relative. It's all based on your situation, your circumstances, and truth changes based on uh, what's going on with you at any given moment or, or whatever society's contention is concerning truth and and that is just simply not livable it's not sustainable uh if you if you uh start just talking to anyone who uh believes the truth is relative you will find eventually that there is something concrete that they stand on there is some sort of uh truth that is immovable for them whether they would acknowledge that or not it is impossible to live in a way where truth is relative so the greatest endeavor of man is to find truth and live in it. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Then Proverbs 4, starting verse 7, it says, The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. So we see this uh, kind of call in Proverbs. And you can read... I think it's the first chapter, the first nine chapters of Proverbs talks about wisdom and how valuable it is. It says, uh, though it costs you all you have, everything that you have, get wisdom and get understanding. Uh, so understanding from God's word that the wisdom that comes from him, the truth that comes from him is foundational to everything that we know. Creation itself, everything is founded on the truth that 
comes from God, the principles of God, and we are to, whether it costs everything that we have, we are to get that wisdom and get understanding because it is more valuable than anything else we can find in this world. Uh, we see then uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16, uh, the Bible says that God's word is profitable for us. It says in verse 16, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So everything that is written in scripture, everything that we have contained within the word of God, is breathed out by God. And every word that he has ever spoken is useful for teaching us, for rebuking sin, for correcting uh, human life, and for training in the right ways of God. And it says then, so that the servant of God would be thoroughly equipped for every good work, every situation that we face, we would be thoroughly equipped by the principles that God has laid out for us. Um, then we see that uh, in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, we see that the truth, the principles of God, uh, is the only solid foundation that we can find in this world. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Uh, so we see, again, that Christ is saying, whoever hears these words of mine takes them to heart and makes them the foundation of his being. That person is like the wise man who built his house on a rock. Uh, and whatever storms come, it could not shake the house. But the one who hears word, the words of God and ignores them, does not put them into practice, is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And every time... I read that. I think of, you know, when you're standing along the ocean on the beach and you're just, you know, two or three or four feet inside where the waves are crashing against the beach and you just stand in one place and every time a wave comes in and goes back out, it pulls just a little bit of the sand out from under your feet and then another wave comes in and goes back out and pulls more sand out and that happens four or five or uh, six times and by that time, you start to feel unstable because you're starting to lose some of the foundation that is under your feet. Uh, that is exactly what Christ is saying here, is that storms are going to be coming again. And we've talked about this uh, over and over, is that we can be sure, the Bible promises that we're going to face pain and suffering and difficulty. And like uh, we read in the, the things that Jeremiah is saying about his life, he faced distress and contention, all those things. Those things are sure in this life. There is no way that we can go through this life and not face those sort of situations. And we see that right now. Our world around us is changing drastically in the last couple of weeks and uh, probably at least for the next uh, month or two, things are going to be drastically different than what we know. And there's a lot of stress among people. And again, God is saying, Christ is saying here, that the only solid foundation for you where you can plant your feet and not be moved is to hear his words and then put them into practice. So the word of God is saying that no matter what 
it costs you, if it costs everything that you have, get this wisdom because this wisdom is the foundation of life. It is a solid foundation. You can be sure that it is immovable uh, and never fails. So we understand then from the Word of God is not just that uh, His Word, His principles, His counsels, they're not just a source of wisdom and truth. They are also the nourishment of life itself. We see in Matthew chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we see in this moment Christ is weak and hungry in this moment, and the tempter comes to him and says, Just, you have the power to do it. Change these rocks into loaves of bread and fill your stomach. Nourish yourself here. And Christ said that, I, I do not need this. This is not the way to gain life. My God, my Father, is the source of life himself, and I will wait on him and trust him and rest in him. I was reading a commentary about this. It said, uh, it said this, it says, Here we are taught in imitation of Christ always to maintain such a humble dependence on the divine blessing as never to venture out of the way of it be our necessity ever so urgent so whatever is so urgently laid before us that that would never turn our attention away from uh, uh, our eyes being fixed on god that uh, again chuck swindoll talked in in a book called the church awakening he called he talked about the difference between the urgent and the important and so many times uh, we are consumed by things that are urgent and neglect the things that are important. Understanding that the, sometimes the immediate need, sometimes things come to us and they seem so urgent, but that's not necessarily the most important thing. And that's what Christ is saying here in this moment is, my stomach is in pain, I am weak, I am hungry, but the most important thing is that I would look to my Father as my source of life, and I will trust Him in every word that comes from Him. I will allow that to be what nourishes and provides for my life. Uh, so we are to imitate Christ in this, having the same confidence in God that was able to support Him, though He was destitute and had nothing and was tired and weary and hungry in that moment. Uh, so Christ was saying that God was the source of life. We also see uh, in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Uh, and the King James Version says that we should desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So understanding that as the people of God, we should so desire uh, the word of God, uh, the pure, sincere message of God's word, understanding that that is our source of life and growth. And if we seek that, that he will provide for us then everything that is necessary. You see, we have to understand that our walk with Christ is a spiritual walk. And we have to seek to be sustained by spiritual things, not just physical means. Uh, we have to seek spiritual nourishment. Uh, you know, even consider so many times we, we put so much effort into our health 
our well-being. And uh, I, I know I've talked about it before, but people go to gyms and things like that, and they put so much thought and effort into all that they are doing to preserve their physical life. And there's not anything wrong with that. But how many times do we consider our spiritual health or our spiritual diet even? What kind of things do we take in on a daily basis? You see, we can never come to the place where we are uh, constantly fixed on uh, providing simply for our physical bodies or trying to sustain our physical bodies, all the while neglecting the most important thing, our spiritual bodies. So God's Word has been given to us uh, to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge and insight, but also to nourish and feed our souls. So again, we see the words of Jeremiah uh, in verse uh, chapter 15, verse 16. It says, your words were found. That's the first thing that he did. He sought the words. So his ability to endure through all of the contention and strife and distress and loneliness, everything that he faced, he was able to be sustained through all of that because the first thing he says is, your words were found. That means that he sought out the words that come from God. He sought out the principles of God. Uh, so finding God's word comes to those who seek diligently. Uh, now this is talking, when we're talking about, uh, he says your words were found. This isn't just a random stumbling upon something. This is an intentional search for something. Uh, and he found what he was looking for. So finding God's word comes to those who seek diligently. Proverbs chapter 2, starting verse 1 says, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it, ask for silver, and search for it, ask for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So our search for wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God and His principles requires earnestness uh, as much as it requires sincerity. So we have to be sincere in our pursuit of wisdom, but it also takes our uh, constant, earnest effort. Think of the things that we read in this uh, passage, Proverbs chapter 2. It says, store up my commands. That implies the effort on our part. Turn your ear to wisdom, that we would actively turn our ear in the direction of the wisdom of God. We would apply our hearts to, toward understanding. He says, call out. He says, cry aloud. Look for, search for. This implies action on our part. You see, we can never expect to be built on the solid foundation of Christ if there is not an earnest attempt, a zealous attempt, uh, giving some sort of our time and thought and energy into searching for this wisdom, we have to uh, turn our ear toward it, actively turn ourselves toward the direction of God and hearing His principles, searching for His principles. And you can be sure that when we do that, we will find them. Uh, it says, if you would search for it, look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will find it. We have to value God's Word above everything else in the world. We have to value it as our nourishment, as the sustaining power of life. We have to begin to get a high view of the Word of God. We have to begin to value it as greater than any treasure that we could find. Uh, so then he goes on. He says, 
Again, your words were found. And then he goes on to say, and when I found them, I ate them. Now what he's talking about here, the implications of that statement, I found them and then I ate them, what he is talking about is the personal application of the word, that, that I found this treasure that is beyond imagination, and then I took it in, I allowed it to be what sustains my life. I actually took it in and allowed it to sustain me. So you see, again, God's not going to ever force anything on anyone. So I turn my ear towards wisdom. But then when I find that wisdom, when I find the source of that wisdom, I actually have to take what is laid out before me, the principles that are laid before me, and figure out how to get them inside of me so that they can sustain me. You see, that means applying the things that we are hearing. Uh, so... Basically, in the simplest form, what this is talking about is hearing the principles of God and then living in obedience to those principles. Jeremiah chapter 7, 23 says, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty two says, Samuel said, uh, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of ram. So what he is saying here is, all these people over and over, they bring burnt offerings, they bring sacrifices, and lay them before me. But what God desires more than any of that, more than in our day, just simple religious service, what God desires more than that is the obedience to his principles that are established in your heart, in my heart. So the, the simple meaning of that is, look, I can, I can be a teacher in the church. I can uh, deliver food to people. I can, I can do work on behalf of the church or in the church. But if I don't take the simple principles of God and allow them to govern my heart, then all of that work is for nothing. You see, we can sacrifice time. We can sacrifice money. Uh, and lay those things before God. But what he is saying is, your simple obedience to my truth is better than all of the sacrifices that you can lay before me. The simple form of that, I think that we see all throughout the word of God, is that God's people were called to love each other. You see, there are a lot of times in the church in America where we can do a lot of things. And I think sometimes even in the public's eye, they see the church that are putting on these programs and doing all of these things, but they don't see sometimes that behind the scenes, we have churches full of people that are upset with each other or who aren't simply loving each other in a sacrificial way. Uh, again, the Bible says that love covers a multitudes of sin, meaning that my disposition is toward the good of others and my love for them, my sacrificial love to them, toward them doesn't sweep sin under the rug like it never happened, but I can overlook the the mistakes, the failures of others for the sake of Christ. So what he is saying is figure out how to apply my principles, because if you don't do that, then I don't care anything about the sacrifices that you lay before me. You see, even in, in the old covenant where they were requ required to lay uh, to perform all these ceremonies and sacrifices, that still meant nothing to God if it wasn't done out of a heart of love. 
desiring to please him, desiring to live in his purposes. So God is calling his people to search for him, search for his principles, turn our ears toward him and his speaking to us. And then when we find that, when we hear his truth, when we find his truth, we are to take it in and allow it to be what sustains us. Uh, again, in verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. Uh, Andrew Murray said this, to realize the difference between finding and eating, compare the corn a man may have stored in his granary with the bread he has on his table. All the diligent labor he has put into sowing and harvesting his grain cannot profit him unless he eats a daily portion of his bread uh, that his body requires. So all of the work that we can do is meaningless uh, unless we find a way for that truth to be established in our hearts. I can hear, I can read books, I can listen to sermons, but if I don't ever get to the point of applying that to my heart, then it is meaningless. I have to apply it to my heart, and in that, I am nourished by the principles of God. Uh, we see also in Psalm 119, starting in verse 97, it's the Word of God says, uh, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have found more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. So he says, all of these things, I'm, I have become wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than teachers, more understanding. And then he says, why? He says, because I obey your precepts. Do you understand that? All of the things we hear or read, uh, all of the teachings that we take in, it is meant to build us up. It is meant to give us wisdom. It is meant to give us insight and understanding. But it will never get us to that point if we don't figure out how to take it in our souls. And we do that by obedience to what is laid before us. So God speaks his principles, and my duty then is to figure out how to align my life in every situation with that principle. So finally we see, so finally then, we see Jeremiah say, again, when your words came, I ate them. And then he says, they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. So we see then that when we seek the principles or counsels of God and then we apply them, they become the source of joy in our heart. We take joy in the Word of God, the things that He has spoken to us, His principles, His counsels, because of what we read in Psalm 19, starting in verse 9. It says, The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey. You see, God has laid out principles that are firm. We don't have to worry about being tossed back and forth on the waves of the sea. Everything that he has spoken is firm and righteous. It is right. It is able to make us right uh, before God and in our relationships with others. Everything that he has spoken can guide us into righteousness. They are more precious than gold, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. 
the things that God has spoken are sweet to the human soul because it directs us back to our created purpose. It directs us back to the source of life, to the place that we were intended to be nourished by in the first place. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said in verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. You see, we can come to the place where I am able to sell everything that I have in joy for this treasure that I have found because when we finally come to the end of ourselves and understand that I am destitute, there is nothing in me that can possibly ever uh, do anything, anything of any eternal value, let alone to merit the presence of God. And that is what I was created for. When I finally understand that, then in joy, I recognize that everything that God has spoken to me, He has meant to direct me back to His presence and fellowship and communion and to be restored into the creature that I was created to be in the first place. When I understand that, then I am joyfully willing to give up everything else that I have to find this treasure that He has offered to me. I can rejoice out of a clear conscience. You see, men may despise our convictions. They may despise us for the things that we believe or the principles that we build our lives on. But we take refuge in the peace afforded to us by the Holy Spirit dwelling within our hearts, testifying of the peace Christ brings through the cleansing of our hearts. You see, I can come to the place through... Uh, seeing the truth of God, taking that in, allowing it to nourish my life. I gain my strength then from God himself, the God who is immovable, whose word endures forever. I have my source of life in that place where his word is established in him. And no matter who despises me for my convictions, I am able to take refuge in the peace of the Holy Spirit. Because I understand that I have everything that is necessary for life in godliness. When I stepped into Christ, when he applied his blood to my heart, when he purified my soul, and I received a clear conscience before God, and in that moment then I am able to experience peace and communion and fellowship with God himself. We take joy in that today. So again, first thing is we are to search we come up with a plan to continually go to God, seeking His spiritual nourishment through His counsel. Again, Proverbs chapter 2, 4 and 5 says, If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We have to figure out a plan. You see, it is easy for us to just hear things over and over. But there is something valuable in us determining a plan today and then telling somebody else what our plan is. So they can ask you sometime in a week or two, hey, how are you doing with that plan? Because it is easy for us in a moment to come up with a plan. But when another one day or two days pass by, it's we just simply fall back into the same routine. If you desire today to turn your ear towards the purposes of God, the principles of God, if you desire to allow His purposes and principles to nourish you, come up with a plan and tell somebody else to hold you accountable for it. 
So we search first. The second thing we do is eat. Jeremiah said, when the words came, I ate them. The second thing is application of the word. If God speaks one thing to your heart, you search for him, study his word, uh, search for him in that way. When he speaks one thing to you, take time. Do not move until you have figured out how to apply that principle to your heart. So we make sure that we hear God's word, then we apply his word to our hearts. And the last thing we do is rejoice. As our souls are nourished by the counsels of God and the wisdom applied to our hearts, we find peace and joy. Peace in my heart is not dependent on the situations around me in life. Joy becomes the disposition of my heart. And in the same way, is not dependent on anyone or anything, but my confidence that I have found in God. You see, we come to the place then where my confidence, my life, uh, my joy, everything that I have is founded in God. It's not dependent on my spouse. It's not dependent on my kids. It's not dependent on my job. Those things uh, are not the source of my joy any longer. As again, as we say over and over, the Bible says, set your mind, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated uh, with God. I set my mind on heavenly things and find joy there. And that is what we do today. I would ask that you would develop a plan through this time. We don't know how long this is all going to last, whether it's weeks or months. We have no idea. But whatever you do in these moments, make sure that you are not just taking this as time off from what God has called us to as the church. Make sure this isn't one of those kind of things where you know, we just have to get through this, and then we'll get back to uh, our normal business. That is not how this should be. Uh, make sure that you develop a plan to keep your eyes fixed on God, searching intently for His principles in these moments. And then when you search for them, when He speaks to you, make sure that you apply those principles, that when He speaks to you, you don't move anywhere else until you figure out how to establish that truth in the depths of your heart. And then that it would affect every single interaction you have with the people around you and the world around you. And then that in all of the uncertainty of the circumstances around you, that we would find joy in God and in his principles. Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to look into your word. Father, for the life that we find in your word, for the nourishment, for the renewal, uh, for the promises that we see that you have outlined in your word, your promises that can never fail. Father, we thank you for your spirit who has come and who has established himself in our hearts, who applies your truths to our hearts. And Father, help us to never hinder that work, but to be able to uh, open ourselves to the work of the Spirit. Father, we love you today. We thank you for all that you will do. It is in your name we pray. Amen.